Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm EJ, and I'm super happy to be here today. On I don't know why I felt like day. introducing myself. It's like <laughs> that's okay. It's say nice. my name. I'm sure you already know that, but we are here with episode 52. Yep, 52. It's an awesome subject today. We're talking about the greatest lie. But we just barely got done attending. What is that thing called we just did? It's the best. It's the Christmas sing at oh, the elementary school it's when you everything. get to see your kids like. With their biggest smiles on ever and like their cheesy Christmas Ugh. outfits and Yeah, there were a lot of kids in these little ugly Christmas sweaters and it was awesome. Parents acting a fool and And seriously, like I know like sometimes it's easy to dread those moments because it's just like, oh my gosh. But I've really like intentionally tried to like live in the moment. Like the these are the days, right? Yeah. yeah. Because they're going by so, so fast. Like already my yeah. oldest is like, oh my gosh, I remember that was so stupid. Those little kids. Yeah. When just like, three years ago he was so excited. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's so cute. Like it was it was amazing. It was a really great morning. Yeah, but you wait a lot, you sit a lot. Yeah. Just, lots and lots. Just for that moment. But to them it's everything. Also Danny like sacrificed his life to when when our daughter got up there, she ended up being on like literally the exact opposite side of where we were sitting, so we couldn't really see her. And he just went ahead and walked in front of well, no, I bear crawl basically, and yeah, like got in front of where they were filming it to like do the live stream. Like he was like, I don't care, I've got to film my daughter. Like I've I don't I've even care. Send this to parents. Yep, it it was amazing. But it's it's her. I know. Why do super the females have that effect? I don't know. The boys, well, I would have just been like, all right, I saw you. <laughs> so true. My daughter, man, she's got like this power, like this thing that just controls me. Yes. So do you. Correct. That's a different subject. But before we get started, I want to know what your percentage is. I asked my wife this question this week. Yeah, the percentages. What is your family bliss. percentage in regards to what percentage of it is blissful moments and what percent of it is hell? Just kidding, not hell, but difficult. Just like we're gonna, we're making it, but we're sacrifices. not. No one's thriving. No one's thriving. Arguing, bickering, complaining. Just hard work, right? Yeah. What's your percentage? I think we're somewhere around thirty percent bliss. Yeah. Just like magical moments. Like could could I could there be anything better in life? Yeah. And seventy percent tough. Yeah. Like I, chewing on tough meat. It's honestly like pretty accurate. Do you agree and, with and that on some percentage? Days it's, it's actually even more skewed than that, yeah. I'd say. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's pretty accurate. I think like vacations, it's like more like probably 20% bliss and yeah. 80% work. Yeah. So <laughs> no, what is your percentage? It's honest. Maybe we're way out of whack. Maybe people are like, oh, yeah. we're 80% just bliss, yeah. blissful you are, joy. You are winning. Yes, please call me. Help you. me out. Give me some pointers, some advice. Yeah, totally. Well, we're grateful to be with you guys today. Um I want to address what's known as the greatest myth, right? When it comes to mental health, addictions, people recovering from whatever, what is the greatest myth? I made a post on this on our Instagram page a while back and by far, right? Yeah. By far, it was the most engaging 
yeah, people topic are still go back to it and make yeah, comments, reach out, ask questions. Like they just, it just blew everybody's it, it brain. It stirred a lot of emotion. Yeah. So the phrase, they have to want it for themselves. And before we start, I understand there's phases in everyone's journey, right? There are phases like the beginning when there's bad choices and then they lead to more bad choices and then they lead to habits and then maybe dependency and then addiction. Cause people argue the fact that not everyone's addicted. I yeah, understand and they're that. not, they're totally not. That's yeah. true. The issue is you don't find out about it. It doesn't become front of mind until it's progressed. Yeah. Rarely is it given attention when it's in those beginning phases. So what we are talking about most of the time is a little bit more than bad habits, dependency or addiction. Well, there's the famous line, this most famous line, and I've heard it more than anything else. Okay, great. Well, I'm not sure how you're going to help us or how this is going to help us because they have to want this for themselves. Bull. Yeah. I've had a lot of arguments, but let me explain why. If you love someone that's suffering, struggling with whatever, whatever it could be, pornography, eating disorders, alcohol, illicit drugs. That phrase right there is one of the single greatest weapons that keeps families just paralyzed, neutralized. Yeah. So why? why? Why or how has that thought kept people stuck for generations? Because it's a lie. You don't think the millions of people out there suffering, whether they're living on the street or they're living a double life or they're just struggling to keep ends meet, ends together because of their the power of their addiction, you don't think that they want out? Yeah, I mean. They love getting high, trust me, I know. Like, that's the greatest thing. Like, you don't want to give it up, but you want out. Like, you don't want to be enslaved. You don't want to be in that situation. The very nature of addiction, and we've talked touched on this in, in a previous podcast, is that it takes your agency. Right. You no longer have the cool. cognitive reasoning skills to make choices anymore. You, maybe you're like, I don't have an addiction. Well, you have a dependency on something, and it takes your agency, your right. ability to make choices for yourself. It, it, there's pride. You're too proud to ask for help, especially with something like this, right? Sure, right. you're going to ask for help if your leg's broken, your arm's broken, but when it's a spiritual or emotional wound, pride gets in the way. There's shame too. I mean, to reach out and say, oh my gosh, my life is unmanageable. I'm addicted to drugs and alcohol. I need help. Is so shameful that no one does. Right. Right. There's fear, fear of what's going to happen. But that phrase, which is the greatest lie, just keeps family stuck waiting for a magical day that will never come. And when you wait in that state of mind, whether it's your son, your brother, your husband, your dad, your daughter, when you sit there and wait, wait for them to want it, like they've just got to want to change. All it does is it just fuels frustration in you. Right. It fuels your anger and then builds to resentments that you have for your loved one. What the hell is wrong with them? Right. Oh, for sure. Why can't they see this? Why can't they just choose different? They've been raised better. They've been taught better. They know better. Yeah, and and resentments that run through through the entire family. So I I don't know. Today I actually just want to talk about like families get stuck waiting for this day or this moment or this person to like wake up and realize this. But I want to talk about the actual reasons why they are not making moves. 
I, I know what they're saying. I, I understand that, that the words that they use is, well, you know, they have to want it for themselves. But I want to, like, really reveal what the underlying cause of that statement is. Um, well, I love how you said make moves, too. Yeah. Like, sometimes people would assume, oh, they've got to fix the problem. Right. No, 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 no. You're it's, making moves. You're trying to figure out what's going to help. It's but strategy. They're not making moves. Yeah. And so I, I think it's just good to, to remember that families get sick right along with their loved one, always. It is, it's why addiction is so lethal, is because, yes, one person has a, a, an addiction to a substance, but the rest of the family gets sick, too. Oh, well, people have heard me say this before. It is the only fatal illness. There are other fatal illnesses, but the only one where the families more often argue, disagree, or fail to do something about than any of the others. Right. And the person who's sick... Yes. Fights to stay sick. Absolutely. So it's just like, well, what we would call a fuster cluck. Yep. So, like our chickens. Yes. Um, so I would say, I, I just want to say to me, the number one reason why they don't make moves is because they, they have absolutely no skill set to help. And honestly, what do we all do when we have some problem, right? That we discovered maybe it's like a mole we just discovered and we're like oh I wonder if that is like a bad sign like I feel like I haven't seen that before like huh we go to WebMD we're like Google this like what is this why why might this be happening we're gonna like problem solve this on our own like that's just our nature we're gonna do like literally everything we can to stay out of a doctor's office right like to get the actual expert professional help we're just gonna like do our own research and basically try everything that we can on our own and just in case you haven't ever done this if you google how to help my son who is addicted it is not helpful you don't get some wealth of information from google it's yeah you're more confused afterwards right you i mean it's pretty google's great for a lot of things but it is not great for that like you will leave more confused just like what you said yeah there's no information for you it's always information based upon them what resource available government agencies that are available totally statistics and i do want to just mention that these things that you're going over aren't just opinions of yours no these are what we have found you know my wife works closely with me for years and after going through all of these scenarios with different people these these this is the accumulation of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. They, it's not that they don't want to like find a solution. They just like naturally don't have the skill set, which is obvious. But then when you try to gain some under understanding, there's just literally not. It's just not out there. So it, even if you set out to find expert answers, you just don't find it. So there's that. Then I would say number two is most people truly do not want other people to see their dirty laundry or even for other people to know that they have on the subject laundry. of laundry i'm an excellent helper with laundry oh wow okay yeah two gold stars for you you are um Pirelli, though. but i'm just saying and folding it yeah yes true you're better <laughs> than me uh, i will give you that <laughs> um but but for real like stigma is a huge part of this equation and i hate i hate that because i'm like aren't we at a point where we're like done with feeling like we need to hide 
our problems. Like, I mean, I'm, I have always been that way and I was probably just forced into that as at a young age being pregnant and I couldn't hide it. But I'm like, we just got to own it so we can move on. Right. Um, so this one also just spans an entirely different gamut because there are some people in situations where they're like, well, yeah, I'm trying to hide this. Like, I don't want my husband to lose his job or, you know, things like that, that are pretty significant that cause people to be paralyzed in making any progress because they are literally trying to keep it a secret. Yep. I want to bring on up hope. Yeah. It's what I probably see the most. And that's people that, you know, sit there hoping and waiting. Yes. And they, what they've witnessed, maybe they discovered something and they're just hoping that it wasn't true. It was just a one-time thing. Yes. We also have so much hope that our love is, is big enough or strong enough to fix us. Yeah. And I think actually that one is, is such a huge one because um, at least with a lot of the families that we deal with, they're, they're not lacking love. Like the, these are families that, that are really all in and trying to do their best. Yeah. Well, and we also hope on, in divine intervention. Right. There's a lot of us that believe in divine help, divine beings. And so we hope that that will step in and change the course of this person. Yes. But they have their agency to make their choices. Yes. And remember, addiction takes that away. Right. So you're hoping on something that's not going to happen. Hope's right. a big one. And, and actually, I, I'll say that a lot of people, when they do this, when they try to almost like love it away, they end up loving that person to death, literally. Like they allow them to continue to spiral and get so sick thinking that the way that they're loving them and, and helping them is, is helping and it's, it's actually making it a lot worse. Yep, it makes them feel better. Um, and then uh, the other one that I that I thought about was that the it is the opposite response of hope, and it is literally just like when you throw your hands up, and this usually just happens when they find out and they have like a really bold attempt to like try and help this person, and it ends up in catastrophe, right? Like they maybe send them to a youth camp and then things don't go well or you know they try they just try sending um someone to therapy to get help and it just ends up kind of like making things worse or even just worsening their relationship with that person and so they just immediately their response is to like retreat and be like well I tried I mean like that's my best yeah shot. you know like, who's most it. guilty of this and I'm sorry just the truth is dad's Oh, for sure. Yes. You know, because dads, we, we want to fix. We want to take the problem away. We want to get rid of it. And so we do try. We'll put heroic effort in. But as soon as it doesn't go our way, it's just like, fine. Well, we did it. Forget it. They don't want any help. It's over. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And I do think dads are more like that. But what happens to moms or other people in this situation is that it goes back to what we talked about in, our, in one of our very first episodes. I think it was episode four, learning to live with diarrhea. Yep. Then you just learn to live with diarrhea. Like you're well, like, well, the it is what it is. You should listen to that episode. What was it? Number uh, episode number four. Four. The, there's a real reason to use that word. No one likes that word. Yeah. Because it's a real state of discomfort. Yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. But in these situations, people just learn to live with it. Yeah. They're just like, well, this is it. This is it. Like we're not, we can't change it. We tried. So now we're just going to start, um, moving to living with dysfunction. And that's what I really, really want to talk about 
Because here is the grand truth about all humans. This is not just for people that are addicted. This is all human beings. We would all choose to live in our dysfunction over the discomfort of the unfamiliar or the unknown. We would all choose it because we're comfortable with it. It is, we're at least like we know it, right? Like we know what, that this is how it is. We just kind of deal with it. It's the diarrhea effect. Discomfort, we want to run from that. We all do. We, we would way, way rather stick with our familiar bullshit than, than, move into an unknown territory, right? Like, I don't know how this is going to end up. I don't know what's going to happen with this person, or I don't know if this is going to work. We'd just rather stay in our craziness. Yeah. Even if it's terrible, at least it's a terrible that we Yeah, even know. if it's hard. Yep. Just because it's comfortable. So that is like... I'm guilty of that right now. We all are. In some ways, like we all are. Yeah, even like even a rigorous schedule, getting up early, going to the gym, doing this, putting in the work, doing the family stuff. I depend on that yep. familiar routine. Yep. Totally. So this is this is why we do what we do. This is why we started Living Proof. It Danny's transformation was only possible with the help of his family. And it was not their love that did it, by the way. Um, They learned some of these things and over time um, integrated them into their family and it saved his life. And Living Proof Recovery Services was built to be the expert that everyone wishes they could find on Google. Um, We have created a full guide for families so that they can have a tactical approach to saving someone's like life. And it's really funny because I think about the fact that like I took my nine-year-old to the orthodontist and they look in his mouth and they're like, Woo, he's super crowded. All right, first step, phase one, we were six months of an expander. We're going to pull four teeth. We're going to do this. Then we're going to take the braces off. We're going to let, we're do- I mean, we had like a basic three-year plan for his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get it from overcrowded to making room for permanent teeth and getting them all to be straight. And I looked at this sheet of paper and how much it was going to cost and the the time frame. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we're in. Like, let's do it. And it's just funny how no one does that with addiction because they're just looking at it one fire at a time. It's like, all right, we'll get them into rehab. We're going to fix this. Okay. Well, that that is not it. Well, it is. And a lot of people find it interesting when they reach out and they're like, oh my gosh, I just need you to talk to my husband or my son. Oh, that's always what it is. I specifically, years ago, analyzing like which angle are we going to take with our business? And the, the key factor into it was how will we make the biggest impact? Yes. How will we help the most people? And it was by informing and educating the family. Right. I just, I've seen it for so many years that the people who have a legitimate chance at recovery are those who have a family who can help, who want to help, who have the means to help. Yes. But rarely do they understand exactly what to do. And so that that's literally why we created this tactical approach, meaning like you will learn how to influence the outcome and to overcome the obstacles in front of you. You are going to understand how, where to go, how to ask for help, who to ask for help, how to create the legitimate plan, 
30 days at a time, then 60, then 90. I mean, we're, we are, this is not a simple get them sober and get them and then we can move on with our lives. This is from start to finish reintegration into life. Helping. That's the plan you got at the orthodontist. That's what I mean. I mean, this is a three year plan at minimum. This is not, you know, people are always like, how long is this going to take? I'm like, your whole life. <laughs> we're all, yeah. you know, we're all at different stages of, of processing and healing. But when you're recovering um, from a drug addiction, it's going to take longer than 30 days. So circling back to the opening s- statement, the greatest lie is that they have to want it for themselves. Yes. There is some truth to that. But getting them to that point is extremely difficult. It's not going to happen on their own free will and choice. They're not just going to magically feel like that one day. I hope as a society, we can start getting to that point where we start to go, oh my gosh, there's a problem. We got to act. Yeah. The majority of the time we've shared this before. Most treatment centers around the country are full of people who've been court ordered by a judge. Right. Forcing their hand. There's no willingness. I hope and want to make it so that more people are basically getting forced to go because their family is uniting with a prepared plan to say, Hey, here's how we're going to support you through this, but this is what you're going to have to do. Yes. It's so much more difficult when it gets to a judge. Yes, it, it really is. is. And, and ineffective because it's a, it's a short, it's a bandaid. It's yeah. all right. We'll get you through these next 30 days, but <laughs> your family doesn't understand what to do once you get home. And when it's, it's through the courts, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. When it's through the courts, the places that you're going, just going to say it like it is. They're not going to be the qualified, polished places that you'd like to go. Right. That you could have gone. Right. So I hope this episode, I hope if you're listening to this episode and you can think of somebody in your life that you're like, some so-and-so needs to hear this. Yeah. Send it. We got to do something. And before we finish, I just want to, I think, share something that might, I guess, be helpful with this yes. topic. Yes. Okay. 15 years later, well, more than 15 years, there's been <laughs> growth, a lot of growth. So much. And a lot of what I went through during the depths of my addiction are fleeting thoughts. Like I can't, yeah. I know certain things happened. I know I wore a jumpsuit. I know I lived in my car. I know I, there's things I remember. You lived in a storage unit. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on, but I don't remember all the specifics. You carried your dog in a duffel bag. I did do that. Just saying. I did that. Yeah. I would. I don't know. I went days and days without sleeping. Lots of problems. But if I could somehow, which I would never want to do, dip back into my body over 15 years ago when I was in at the worst. Yeah. With the mindset I have now, what would I communicate to my family? Yeah. I want to hear it. Like if I just had one moment, one day in the depths of my addiction where I was just in it and I had one day of clarity where I could speak to my family, yeah, the only people left that cared to help, some of the things I would tell them is, you know what? I love, I need, and I depend on getting high so much that I can't see even one foot in front of me. I've tried to stop on my own many times. I've lost track how many times. And I just can't. I will never be able to do this on my own. You're going to have to wait to f- find a way to force my hand. 
I would tell them, you know what? Almost daily, I have moments where I desire these moments every single day, even in my pathetic state of life. I have moments where I want nothing more than to change. But those moments are immediately revoked. They last for no longer than a few seconds by the need that I have to get high. It controls me in everything that I do. It's so controlling. It has the same exact effect as needing to breathe. If you stopped breathing, if someone puts something over your mouth and nose, what would you feel? Like you were suffocating. You were suffocating. Even minutes, let alone hours, without getting high, once you're in that state, is the exact same feeling that you're dying. Most of the day, my mind is such in such a euphoric state that I live in constant delusion. Even though you see me and you can look at me and think that I'm hearing you, my mind is in a total state of delusion. When I'm not high, I'm so anxious, depressed, and physically sick, shaking, that I will do anything to feel better. I hate myself at this point, but it doesn't matter because I'm enslaved and I can't escape. I'm going to die and I need your help. Listen, I don't want your help. I might be afraid of your help. I'm mad at you and everyone else. I'm mad at everything, but I don't want to die. I've been taken. I'm captive. I can't find my way out. Don't help me, but please help me. It's so, so powerful. That's how they're feeling, but they can't say it. Yeah. So if you love somebody and you're like, why are they doing this? This is crazy. They won't listen to me. Listen to that part of the episode again. Because that is the honest truth. You will not get more honest truth than that. That is the truth of addiction. That is why they will never, ever want it for themselves. They cannot do it. Danny and I have been working, you know, we work together every day. And the other day I just said, Hey, what would be your greatest hope, your greatest desire for our company and what we're doing? What, what would you say your biggest hope for us is? It's the same, same then, same as always, is to give more families a chance. More families a chance to help their loved one who can't help themselves. Yeah. And more families a chance that by getting that loved one help, it changes the whole family dynamic. It does. Our family elevated because of the hell I put them through. Our family changed, adapted, learned, grew, gained tools and resources to face all the challenges that we faced in the last 15 years, which have been a lot. Yeah. Amen. So it's to give more people a chance. Yep. Well, to save individuals suffering, but to save their entire family. Oh, well, they're part of the family and the whole family needs it. Yes. We, we're grateful you guys joined us again today. Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we'll see you guys on the next episode.